Escape Pod, 263. October 21st, 2010. Fuel, by Matthew Rotundo. Hello and welcome to Escape Pod, your weekly science fiction podcast. I'm Norm Sherman. On this week's show, Performance Enhancement. They say that baseball is the American pastime. On the one hand, it gives us the nostalgic field of dreams, warm and fuzzies. And on the other hand, it's full of scandal-clad, jacked-up fallen heroes like Alex Rodriguez, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds. A field of drugs. Baseball supposedly reflects American society, for better or worse. And if that's the case, then Americans are all about some corn, James Earl Jones, and performance-enhancing elixirs. If you build it, they will come. But they'll also shrink, I hear. Your balls, I mean. The rampant use of steroids in baseball reflects our obsession with the superhuman. It shows just how much we value ambition, power, and celebrity. The mighty individual separated from the lesser. But baseball's a team sport, folks. And there's no I in team. Unless, of course, you're referring to people named Tim that live in Spain. In which case... You know, there is an I, but that's a pronunciation thing. Whatever, you get the point. From a young age, we look at Popeye shoving cans of spinach in his face, and James Earl Jones gorging himself on copious amounts of corn, and it becomes apparent that the opportunity to achieve greatness, well, it's as intoxicating as any drug, and it's also something I'd wager that most of us are addicted to, to some degree. And that leads us into this week's story, Fuel by Matthew S. Rotundo. Matthew's an award-winning author whose work has appeared in Orson Scott Card's Intergalactic Medicine Show, Jim Bain's Universe, and Writers of the Future, Volume 25. He also plays guitar and has been known to sing karaoke. Though Matt lives in Nebraska, he claims to have husked corn only once in his life, so he insists that he's not a hick. Matt, 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 you know what James Earl Jones says. One husk is all it takes. And the first husk is always free. Visit Matthew's blog at matthewsrotundo.livejournal.com. The story is read to you by the likable, lovable, dare I say, huggable, double dog dare I say, dateable, spoonable, perhaps if you're lucky a little bit gullible, and even druggable, Dave Thompson, host of our sister podcast, Podcastle, your favorite place to listen to kick-ass stories in the fantasy genre. So sit back and listen to what the nice man from the company has to say, because it's story time. Fuel by Matthew S. Rotundo The third quarter report cards came out Thursday, and for Jamie, the timing couldn't have been worse. The Nike man was coming over that night to sell his brother some new blood. He took his time walking home from Gilder Middle School, weaving past cracks in the sidewalk and mud puddles left behind by the spring thaw. His pace slowed further as he turned onto Willow Avenue and saw his house, second on the left, a red brick ranch with spidery ivy growing up the east side. Old leaves, fallen tree branches, and other detritus left over from the winter littered the front yard. As he neared, he noted with dismay his father's car, already in the driveway. Damn! Jamie trudged across the yard and let himself in the front door with his keycard. Dad was at the hall closet, hanging up his overcoat. He stood just under two meters tall. A navy blue business suit wrapped his muscled frame. He beamed when he saw Jamie. Hey there, kiddo. How was school today? You're home early, Jamie said. 
need to get ready for the presentation tonight, and I'd like you to clean up the front yard. Make sure you use the dirt rake to get up that thatch. Will you do that for me? Jamie opened his mouth to protest, but thought the better of it. Sure, he said. He unslung his backpack and headed for the stairs. Oh, by the way, Dad fished in a suit pocket and produced a folded piece of paper. I got this in my email today. He opened the paper. Jamie recognized the school's letterhead on the printout. He slumped, leaning against the wall. Dad tapped the paper. What's this C-plus in basic fitness about, kiddo? I got A's in my academic classes. They're all honors courses, too. I can see that, but we've talked about fitness before, haven't we? Dad looked down at him with a disapproving arch of an eyebrow. Yes. So tell me, what happened? It's nothing. I'll do better next quarter. Did you fail the agility drills again? I couldn't do the pull-ups. Dad pressed his lips together and took a breath. I'm not sure you're giving it your best effort, Jamie. I am. I really am. I'm just not very good at sports. You get better with practice, like your brother, Scott. Jamie nodded, keeping his gaze down, hoping Dad didn't notice the way he gritted his teeth when he heard his older brother's name. Dad clapped him on the shoulder. Jamie, you're 12 years old now. It's really important that you find your best sport. College recruiters are already contacting boys your age. Jamie thought of his best friend Russell, who had just gotten his first recruiting letter the other day from Penn State. Jamie hung his head even lower. All I'm asking is that you try, son. Will you do that for me? Jamie nodded again. Dad folded up the grade printout and stuffed it into a pocket. Hey, I have an idea. Why don't you sit in on the presentation tonight? Oh, man, Jamie looked up. Do I have to, Dad? Why not? Maybe you'll hear something you like. A groan escaped Jamie. He had homework to do for advanced literature. The next two chapters of Dracula, which he'd loved so far. But experience had taught him not to proffer academic work as an excuse. Why don't you guys just order Scott's blood online? That's what you usually do. The Nike representative wants to show us some new and improved stuff. The best yet. Scott has regionals in two weeks, you know. I know. So you'll be there tonight, then? Sure, Dad. Dad clapped him on the shoulder again. That's the spirit. Now, let's get the yard picked up, okay? Jamie went upstairs to change out of his school clothes before getting to work. Fuel 6.1 is our latest released, and our best, the Nike man said. You can see from the charts how our refined erythrocyte design maximizes oxygen-carbon dioxide exchange, nutrient absorption, and hormone capacity. You folks have probably read about all that stuff already. It was part of the 6.0 rollout. But 6.1 also features enhanced thrombocyte function that increases fibrogen production by as much as 50%. It lasts longer than 6.02. You can go up to four weeks without a new transfusion. And of course, Fuel still has the highest quality FDA-approved leukocytes and plasma substitutes available on the market. The Nike man topped two meters, taller than even Dad. He had dark hair streaked blonde. His skin was so deeply tanned that Jamie could swear it glowed. The salesman's hands seemed huge, each big enough on its own to comfortably grip a basketball. He wore an immaculate black workout single suit that flowed with his movements. And he had the shoes, of course. Top of the line super jumps, solid black like the suit. 
He made his pitch in the living room, with the aid of handouts and multimedia charts from a display that stood on its own tripod. Mom and Dad, seated on the couch, paid close attention, nodding at appropriate times, asking occasional questions, laughing at the salesman's jokes. Scott, just turned 16, long-legged and lanky, slumped between them with his arms crossed. His gaze wandered as the Nike man talked. Jamie sat in the rocking chair to one side, next to the bookcase filled with Scott's trophies and medals. The Nike man continued, Athletes using Fuel 6.1 have shown documented increases in metabolism, endurance, and recovery from injury. And if you purchase tonight, we'll even throw in a free home transfusion kit. Jamie shook his head. Scott already had one of those. Jamie had set it up for him many times, usually on nights before track meets. Jamie had grown more proficient working the kit than his parents. He glanced at the clock on the wall. The time was just after 7 o'clock. If the Nike man finished his spiel in the next hour, Jamie would still be able to do some of his advanced lit homework. Wow, Dad said, smiling and nodding. That's something, isn't it, Scott? I guess, said Scott. The Nike man gave an amused smile. You don't sound convinced. I'm a sprinter. I don't care about all that endurance stuff. What's your 40 times, Scott? 415. Not bad. But suppose I were to tell you that Fuel 6.1 can improve your personal best by as much as a full second. Yeah, right, Scott said. Whatever. Regionals are only two weeks away, honey, Mom said. She was small and wiry, with closely cropped hair and an angular face. She still wore work clothes, white top, pinstripe jacket, skirt, heels. And didn't your coach say you need to get under four seconds if you want to? Scott cut her off with an exasperated sigh and a roll of his eyes. An awkward silence fell. The Nike man turned toward Jamie in the rocking chair. How about you, Jimmy? This stuff is pretty cool, huh? Uh, it's Jamie. The Nike man put on a let's be friends smile. Do you think you would like to try fuel? I'll bet you'd like it. The salesman's radiant good health made Jamie uncomfortably conscious of the paunch around his middle. Uh, no thanks. Why not? This is quality stuff, you know. With a sidelong glance toward his parents, Jamie said, That's okay. The Nike man's smile became indulgent. I understand, Jamie. You think that you could never be an athlete like your brother, or all the other kids. But 6.1 could be the key for you. Blood is just like fuel, you know. The better the fuel, the better your body will work. In no time at all, you could be running track like your brother. Scott laughed. Mom shushed him. Or, with your size, maybe playing football. I could see you fitting in well at guard, or possibly even center. You know, that's what I keep telling him, Dad said. Jamie's cheeks burned. Why couldn't the guy just leave him alone and get on with the presentation? The Nike man said, You really shouldn't overlook the benefits of the athletic competition. Athletes are much less likely to get involved with drugs or alcohol, or drop out of school. You might even get to attend college on an athletic scholarship, if you're good enough. Will it make me smarter? Dad cleared his throat. The Nike man cast a puzzled glance toward the couch. Well, fuel is designed to enhance athletic performance. He's taking all academic classes, Scott said with a sneer. I see. The Nike man's smile thinned. He's still taking basic fitness, and he hasn't even started with his nutrition courses... Oh, when I was Jamie's age, I'd already gone through advanced conditioning. We're, uh, very proud of him, 
Mom glanced uneasily at Jamie, patted Scott's knee. I'll bet. Jamie glowered at his smirking brother. I got A's in all my honor courses this quarter. The Nike man said, Jamie, academic scholarships are mighty hard to come by these days. Take it from me. Most schools just don't have the necessary funding. Jamie looked at the floor. In a mumble, he said, I guess I don't care. I'm sorry, Jamie, I missed that. What did you say? Jamie's mouth drew tight like a drawstring bag. The collective stare of his parents, his brother, and the Nike man weighed on him, suffusing him with a deep weariness. Jamie, what did you say? He raised his chin, scowling. I said, I don't care, all right? You happy now? The Nike man took a step back. I don't like football, get it? I don't like track either. I don't like sports. I got A's in all my honors courses. Now will you just leave me alone, please? His heart raced. He breathed heavily as if he'd just run around the block. He wondered at his own words. Had he actually just spoken them in front of his parents? He turned to the couch, suddenly terrified. Jesus, Scott stood suddenly. Do I have to stay down here and listen to this crap, Dad? You've already ordered my blood. This guy's just here to talk to Jamie anyway. Scott, you be quiet, Mom glared at him. Why, it's true, isn't it? You're just trying to get him with the program. Waste of time, if you ask me. His buddy's already getting scholarship offers, and fat little Jamie just hides in his books. He's a friggin' loser. Dad stood, too. His face was stern. That's enough out of you, young man. You may go to your room. Scott set hands on his hips. And what if I don't? You gonna ground me? I have regionals in two weeks. You wouldn't want me to miss practice, would you? Mom and Dad exchanged glances. The Nike man looked at his perfect shoes. Shit, I'm going over to Kevin's. Scott stormed out the front door, slamming it hard enough to rattle the windows. One of Mom's ceramic angel figurines fell from the knick-knack shelf. The carpet cushioned its fall. Jamie gaped at his parents. Neither one would meet his gaze. And he understood why the Nike man was here. Why his parents hadn't just ordered the new blood online as they usually did. Why Dad had insisted on Jamie being present for the presentation. Why the Nike man had focused so much attention on him. Jamie looked around the room. His gaze found the multimedia display on the tripod, charting the performing, enhancing benefits of fuel. He'd never felt so alone in all his life. Slowly he got to his feet. His throat double-clutched. I think I'm going to be sick. He headed for the bathroom on unsteady legs. The sun had long since set before Tim and Knott came at Jamie's bedroom door. It opened and Mom entered. In the darkness, she was only a silhouette. Jamie, are you awake? He lay supine on his bed. Yeah. She sat on the edge of the bed. Honey, I'm so sorry about what happened tonight. It's okay, Mom. I'm sorry, too, for what I said. Your father and I just don't want you to miss out on any opportunities. Your friend Russell... I've been thinking, Mom. I'd like to try the new blood. You would? She put a hand on his arm. Oh, oh, Jamie, are you sure? I'm sure. Can we still get the free transfusion kit? Well, actually, we hoped you would change your mind. We ordered the blood for you. The kit's downstairs. Oh, good. Is it very much different from Scott's? Looks the same, I think. You should be able to assemble it yourself. You'll probably be able to do your own transfusion, even. She leaned over and kissed his forehead. 
You're growing up. Your father and I are very proud of you. Jamie was grateful for the darkness so that his mother could not see his face twist with pain. You get some sleep now, Mom said. She stood and looked down at him for a moment. Jamie imagined that she was probably smiling. Then she left, quietly shutting the door behind her. Tears threatened, but Jamie fought them down. He had too much to think about. After his transfusion, he would have a whole body's worth of blood left over. Normal blood. Usually it was sent to the Nike people for recycling. But if Jamie could somehow hide it instead, store it in the basement freezer maybe, then... Regionals were only two weeks away. Scott would do a fresh transfusion the night before. He always did. Jamie would help him with it, as usual. And he and Scott had the same blood type. In the darkness, Jamie smiled. The Nike man had called it fuel. Well, knowledge was a kind of fuel, too. Mom and Dad and Scott didn't understand that. Not yet, anyway. He would get in serious trouble, of course. But it would be worth the punishment if, only for a moment, they would understand them at last. It would ease the loneliness. Still smiling, Jamie drifted off to sleep. Well, that was our story. Hope it got your blood going. Let's go now to story feedback with Assistant Regional Manager Bill Peters. Hello, faithful listener. I'm here to bring you the feedback for episode 255, Variations on a Theme, by William Meikle and read for us by Zachary Ricks of the flagship Island Press. The story, which many listeners thought was oddly matched to its title, was about a high school biology teacher whose teenage class was becoming increasingly strange. Indeed, strange even for teenagers, which is a scary kind of strange to be. Calculating said it shocked me that the teacher could so easily destroy an entire species. That and it terrified me that the teacher did nothing to protect the children in his class. I understood the need to protect humanity from the crazy genetically modified plant things, but they didn't seem all that bad to me. All they wanted to do was find a way to be different from one another, and how is that any different from humanity? Equalizer said, I haven't heard a good Invasion of the Body Snatchers style story in a long while. That'll teach those pesky weeds to assimilate our children. On a slightly different subject, I do have to defend my age group on this one, because I don't remember giggling in biology class. Except for stuff like when the teacher would say duty, but that's just funny all the time. And Unblinking said, This one was just okay. It was too similar to too many stories I've already read and seen, including the body snatchers stories mentioned in the text itself, and extending to others like the Stepford Wives and the faculty. I love the concept, but since I've seen it so many times, it's got to take me somewhere new. And that's it for this week. Please do tune in next week for the feedback for episode 2 to the 8th. The Mermaid Singing, Each to Each. Thanks, Bill. All right, folks, that's our show. Remember, Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change or sell the show, but share it freely. If you like this week's show, help us out by donating to us. You'll find support options off our webpage at escapepod.org. Your contributions are necessary and greatly appreciated. 
Our closing music is used by permission of Daikaiju. Check them out at daikaiju.com. And our closing quotation this week comes to us from legendary Red Sox left fielder Ted Williams, who said, Baseball is the only field of endeavor where a man can succeed three times out of ten and be considered a good performer. 